Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Welcome to Serving Aces. I'm Alexander Stevenson, and I'm here tonight with my co-host, Oog Levadier, a.k.a. Oogie. Welcome, Oogie. Hey, welcome, Alexander. How are you? I'm doing fabulous, especially because we have a special guest tonight in our podcast house. He is Mr. DJ Mad Links. He has been on the Tennis Channel, ESPN Tennis. He was a former host of the BET Rap City, and he's a world-renowned DJ. Welcome in, DJ Mad Links. Thank you so much for joining us tonight. Well, thank you for having me. Setting off the year right in 2024. Yeah, it's exciting stuff. Look, we're in day seven of the Australian Open. I met DJ Madlinks. I'm going to say DJ Madlinks one time, one more time, because it's just fun to say. <laughs> so I met D- the DJ um, back in 2021. I'm going to mm-hmm. say at the U.S. Oh. Open. Uh, yes, yeah, probably right. E- either 20 or 21, for sure. Yeah, were you there during COVID? I was actually. Uh, I had the, I guess, one of the dubious distinctions of being kind of like one of the only non-player. <laughs> non-people working for the usta that was actually in the player bubble which was a right yeah we didn't cross paths because you got to be in the player bubble at the other hotel and be around all the players that that i was it was uh an experience uh, it was experience that was amazing to have that i hope i never have again (laughs) (laughs) yeah but you got you made a lot of good friends right Hey, well, you know, it, it was definitely interesting to, to be in an environment such as that. Uh, listen, the pandemic was, again, something that I hope that we none of us ever have to experience once again. But exactly. to be in this confined environment of the best tennis players in the world, uh, as we proceeded to go all the way from uh, way out in Nassau County, uh, via bus to the tournament site and, and then back. It was something unlike you had ever experienced before. But I have to give the USTA a lot of credit. I have to give the the hotel, the host hotel at the time, uh, amazing amount of credit too, doing their best to actually make everybody as comfortable as possible. And there was actually an area set up outside that ended up being kind of like the de facto, I guess, like player garden that was out in the parking lot. It had to be manned 24 hour with security and, and whatnot, but they, they made a de facto garden, a huge screen to be able to watch some of the matches and, and, and whatnot. And uh, they had a golf uh, set up uh, somewhere on the inside, pool tables, arcades. So it was, uh, as I said, it was, it was an amazing experience that I swear I hope I never have ever again. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I was on the ESPN side where we were at the Marriott across from the hotel mm-hmm. and we went into the bubble, our little bubble, which kind of wasn't really a bubble. It was sort yeah. of a bubble because all the airport people were staying at the Marriott. So it didn't really make sense. Like we'd have pilots and flight attendants and they're like, wear your mask. <laughs> so <laughs> it was definitely different than your experience. And uh, then getting to the site, of course, you had to get tested again. So those were interesting times. But I have to say the WTA, the ATP, the Grand Slam environment of the tournaments that went on, which was basically the U.S. Open and then the French Open, they really handled everything spectacularly well. And mm. hopefully everybody never wants to do it again. No, please not. <laughs> DJ was the only spectator in the stadium for the matches. Imagine. He was the only you know, I, 
I got to tell you, it is one of my claims of fame that, yeah, to be one of the only people who had the ability to to be in the entire of, of Ash. And I'm just looking around like, yeah, I'm the only one here watching this uh, great semifinal between Serena and Vika. And, um, yeah, you could hear yeah, a pin I drop. Yeah, I was players. on court side for that match. And yeah. that was that was crazy. You could hear wow. yeah. You could just hear them. Mm -hmm. <laughs> no sound. Exactly. It must yeah, be so weird. no sound. It was very odd. All right, guys. So it's day seven of the Australian Open. Let's get right into it. We've had a lot of matches so far already. A lot of big matches coming up tonight in the middle of the night for us. Australia time. It's their highlight popcorn matches. We've got Felix Ajay Aliasim, Oogie. And who is he playing tonight? Oh, my God. Somebody not well known at all. Somebody of the name of Medvedev? Where's he from? <laughs> what's what's going on there? Like he's playing one of the top players in the world for Felix. It's gonna be a super big match. Uh, you know, if he gets it close, then it's great. But you know, with his knee injury a little bit, uh Medvedev is super high, super flying. So it's gonna be an easy win for Medvedev, but you never know. You know, Felix, I mean, no, I'm gonna ask Lynx about this because Medvedev had to go on after that crazy tiebreaker with Blinkova and Rybakina, mm -hmm. the twenty 220 yeah. win mm -hmm. by Pukova and Medvedev yeah. had to go on after that, wasn't really ready and mm -hmm. ended up winning 6 0 in the fist. So, links, is that going to affect Medvedev tonight against Felix? I don't think much bothers Medvedev to the point where he does not perform well. Uh, I mean, a crowd against him, no problem. I think he he loves it. Uh, you know, some problem with the, the chair empire, no problem. He, you know, like he is an enigma and I'm so happy he is exist in, in our world because just watching you almost kind of just watching to see what is going to happen uh and he never ceases to amaze uh this guy as i as um uh rublev has referred to him he is the octopus <laughs> yes <laughs> and just an amazing amazing i mean he, he he looks goofy out there i mean let's just call it what it is but somehow what he's able to do is just so amazing and watching him uh progress with his uh, style, uh, you know, he's returning balls from 40 feet behind the baseline to return serve. I'll never forget watching him in the 2019 US Open final against Rafael Nadal, where I'd never seen a player at that level get inside the service line where every coach would say, all right, move forward to take the ball, volley it out of the air. And three times during this five-set match, does he fall back trying to hit a ground stroke instead? And I'm like, wow, okay, so even at that level, uh, these guys can can make mistakes, but definitely will be a very interesting match. Uh, Felix, you know, Felix to me is the, the new version of Grigor Dimitrov. The reason why I say this is an amazing ball striker, has all the tools, all the weapons, everything that you want to see. But there's something there that just refuses to click to get him to go next level. Of course, he does have that tournament win finally. But as we're seeing finally with Grigor, when it really does click, and I'm hoping the same thing can happen with Felix, it, he will really go next level. All right, Oogie, since you coached Felix when he was younger, what do you think what Lynx just said, that there's something that hasn't quite clicked? And I feel like Felix has tried to find it with Rafa's uncle, Tony, mm -hmm. um, and then whoever he has now. What is it that you feel hasn't clicked yet? I feel it's because he's just too stiff and uptight. He needs yeah. to be looser. It has to be with the emotions. The best tennis Felix has produced in the past years has been in Davis Cup. You know, when he was with Frank Dancevich, the Davis Cup captain, mm -hmm. and Frank, uh, when they won 
a year ago they won and we had a so lucky to have somebody really close to the environment and we were paid for a big dinner afterwards at celebration and and that person we had a zoom call with Densevich and many friends from uh, Toronto Montreal and uh Frank that's what he told us he's like I had to call you know I had to call it for Felix I'm like dude you're so nice you're so good when you're on the court you have to get more emotions out there because you just play your match go to the motions not feeling anything and then you don't feed off because when you're mm -hmm. playing well you need to get those emotions going because it's going to make mm -hmm. you play even better and then you steamroll the opponent you know that's that's what that's what you do otherwise you just win your match nice and cool. the opponent can always come back but if you're really into it you put your emotions into i mean the opponent's like oh, feeling more down because they're down on the score and that's what he did in davis cup and that's why he played his best tennis there and then he went on a run to win tournaments like three in a row last year right Indoors. Yeah, I yeah, I like that. We were we were tracking that Oogie. I like that you said that because he's just so stiff and like I mean he's ripped and he looks like he should be uh, like a fitness model for men's magazine, right? Like his stiff little moves, and it's like, come on, loosen up, like get some emotion, show like leave it all out on the court, right? Like Medvedev, the octopus, he yeah. leaves it all out on the court, right, guys? He's like slipping and sliding, and then. Sometimes doing that silly like uh, FIFA fall down thing. What's that oh, called? Oh yeah, what you want? You want? Yeah, yeah. He just, I mean, he just dropped. And Felix needs a little of that, so maybe he'll find that this year. So hopefully, hopefully he will. Another guy that is playing now, Tommy Paul. Oh, yeah. I feel like he needs a little bit more spark. It's a four set. He's down five four. Yeah. He's he, but he's up two sets to one. He yeah. came back, but he's so functional in his body, and I like his serve. He mm. has the platform serve. He's got the good form. He's got the like great backhand technique. It's not a lot going on, but just the emotional part. I feel like that spark that we see with Ben Shelton mm. isn't always there with Tommy Paul, and he struggled last year through getting through some tough matches where the other guys had more emotional reactions and Tommy Paul just couldn't find it. Thoughts on that guys? Yeah. Links. Go ahead. DJ. I mean, listen, Tommy's definitely one of the top American players currently. Um, you know, I, I do feel that while he, I'm still looking for that, that one thing that makes him really special and stand out. And I, I'm looking for, it. I haven't, fully seen it yet. Listen, th there's nothing that I can take away from his game. There's, no there's nothing I can say, ah, well, he's missing this, he's missing that. But I'm really looking for that next thing to take him the you know, off another notch. They definitely I need to see a little bit more X factor. But he's definitely been very solid. Listen, um, again, this match he's playing currently against Kitsmanovic, who is a, a really tough competitor. I was really looking forward to that match. I, th I thought that this would definitely be a tough one that could go five, and it looks like it probably will do, do just that. But um, I think that Tommy could really maybe tap into that a little bit this year. I'm not sure if he'll, he'll reach that full potential in, in, in this year, but I think maybe with enough solid results going into 2025, he might be able to push it up to another level. Yeah, I like that. Ugi, what are your thoughts? I think it's, it's different than Felix, but I think on the same level, the emotions have to come out more for him. Uh, looks like he's some, somehow shy on the court, doesn't want to disturb too much. You know, he, take charge, man. Come on. You're the better player of the two. Let's go. Yeah, okay. I agree. Look, he was wild child living up in Miami. I'm sure you've heard some <laughs> stories, Links, right? And he's more settled down now, but maybe uh, we need to bring that wild child out a little bit more this year in 2024. 
But let me push back a little bit real quick. So you guys are talking about emotions. Obviously, Alexander, you've done this on the highest level. I remember watching um, Francis back in 21 at, at the Open, where it felt like he was tapping into his emotions too much. Mm-hmm. After every point, it seemed every that he was like really going. And I just remember feeling you're going to the well a little bit too much. You're going to take too much energy away just from those emotional outbursts. So I think you do have to find that balance in order to to be able to. You don't want to be a plank of wood out there, but I think sometimes some some players can go to the well a little bit too often. So what are you guys yeah. thoughts on that? I agree with that. Look. As a player, you got to find the emotional balance of bringing high energy and never, first of all, never bringing low energy, but you have to figure out when that happens, how to get your energy back to like neutral and then when to ramp it up. So it's like gear, different gears. You never want to drop to lowest part because, and that's like, look, I watched Sloane Stevens play today. This is something she struggles with. And I know Kamal Murray's been up and down with her. And we, we've talked about that a little bit with how he's back in the box now. But Sloane Stevens will be playing neutral and really well. And then she'll just like, you look at her and you're like, what's wrong? Like, turn it on. Yeah. And she just doesn't turn it on. And like Kamal Murray's turning it on in the box. And she's just like not reacting. So it's different, the psychology of every player. Look at Iga Shviantek. She was down and out against Collins and Collins is somebody who's always turned on and yelling and <laughs> like in your face, college tennis. Right. And uh, then Triantic was yelling at her box as well. She's yeah. Like, and yeah. yelling at her yeah. box. She's like, like never goes down low, right? Uh, she never turns off her emotions, yeah. but Iga Triantic had to figure out how to bring her emotional level up to fight back. Because she had dropped not as much as Sloan. Sloan really goes down. But Iga was dropping off. And she was like on death's door there. And she figured out how to pull it together. So it's what you just said. It's really important with your coach, with your sports psychologist, to go over how you feel on the court and when you play your best. Look, you could play even keeled your whole time. But know when you need to pump it up. Like Roger Federer. Or mm-hmm. Nadal. Nadal's a little higher than Federer was. Federer was, but he, Roger Federer knew when to pump it up. Yeah. He got emotional, right? Novak Djokovic. He's been more emotional of late. We, yeah. He's getting into the yeah. crowd. He's telling guys, yeah, say it to my face. That helps him because now yeah. he's the hunted on every level. Before, yeah. He was the hunter against the top three or the big four with Andy Murray, right? So he was always trying to get in. And so now he's the hunted and has to change and make himself be pumped up. So there are just so many layers to this. We could probably do 10 podcasts on it, but that's that's my thoughts on it, guys. You're you're totally right. You're totally right. It's so important to manage your emotions in in a tennis match. And and you're right. Probably Djokovic is the best one right now who does that. He's using... Okay, I'm, I'm playing great. Okay, I need to control it. Not too much, like yeah. Federer-esque. And then suddenly, I'm down a little bit or it's tight. Okay, come on. I'm going to show you I'm still number one. And, and that influences the opponent, right? Because you're yeah. playing somebody, you're playing the ball, plus you're playing the number one player in the world. And you want them to feel that. Uh, yeah. On the, another take, what about Kyrgios just taking on defense there, saying, next what, next time, you know, Djokovic, tell me up. I'll, I'll go down and say, what's going on there? Because during a match, somebody <laughs> said was talking – you know, with Djokovic and stuff? Yeah. You guys saw that? Wow. Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, Curious is now, 
you know, he's playing it. Uh, my thoughts are, I've talked to both you guys about this. He's playing it safe in the box. He's trying to find his way. He's wow. being nice to everybody. I hope we get some more um, curious tweet style in the box. So it's to be, like, maybe he'll bring it the second week. I feel like, you know, he hasn't br brought, I like his analysis. I like what he's had to say, but mm -hmm. the spark, like where's the curio spark in the commentary box? I, I haven't agree. heard it yet. I couldn't agree more. And especially on the women's match yesterday, I was like, what is he doing there? Because you had Patrick McEnroe, Mary Jo Fernandez. They were commentating all the time, but yeah. that women's match, and he was in between and he didn't really know what to say, right? Because he's not on the women's tour and he does, yeah. he's not used to comment on women's tour. So he, I felt like, I felt odd to have him there. But for men's match, 100% of the time, you need to, you need yeah. him and I can roll But the funny thing is he always comments on his Twitter and Instagram. So you're like, if you're going to do that on social media, do it in the box. Links, what do you think? Well, isn't that the thing of it all? Uh, social media has made it easier to say things much easier via thumb yes. than actually having to say it in with person. your mouth. In with, person. With, with other Great people point. around oh. you. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think for Nick, because he's been a target for so long uh, and so much of what he gives is in reference to, as you mentioned about Novak being the hunted in, in this case, well, Nick is not being the hunted. Nobody's coming at him based upon his performance or lack of performance or why he did this. So it's much easier for him to kind of like push back in, the, in that way. Now it's actually him just having to give a straight up analysis or bring his personality. So it's, it's definitely a different, um, area for him. I will say this. I think that he's a great personality. I think that uh, for all the flack that he gets, uh, he's a really, really good, solid human being. That's a lot of the charity work that he's done, a lot of the stances that he's taken. Uh, I, I remember even being in D Washington, D.C., where I hosted DJ the uh, the tournament there. And mm -hmm. there was a kid's day that he came out and was a part of. And one of the parents was kind of like, you know, just had a, a negative view of Nick and, you know, just kind of having the conversation. I said, well, listen, you know, um, I understand where, where you're coming from, but, you know, be, please be aware that he does do all these other things and took a moment to, to kind of turn that person around and have him take a look at Nick in a different way. But I do have to say this. He's must-see TV in regards of I wish, I just wish that we could just mic him up even during his practices because you're going to hear some of like yeah, the most great. witty commentary. Yeah, that's what <laughs> that, we that, that, that That's what I'm saying. We need to see the real Nick. Where's yeah, the yeah. real Nick Curious? It, like, bring it, right? It's, but it's, yeah. dif it's different now for him. It's difficult. So this is his, you know, first kind of yes, like four-way, at least in, in a slam. Right? Somebody who's been in this position uh -huh. in that box, right? Okay, right. yes, it's different for him because he's coming in with a bigger voice and people are looking mm -hmm. to him, but mm -hmm. he's also has a way in to change things and he mm -hmm. needs to realize, bring your personality, bring, maybe don't bring all the antics, okay, mm -hmm. don't bring the antics, but bring your magnetic, fun personality mm -hmm. that, what you said, helps kids, opens the doors, mm -hmm. and he just needs to, you know, Get a little looser. Just give him some time. So, like, listen, you know, again, you've been in this position before. You, you know, if it hasn't happened to you, you've you probably seen it. It's like once that camera starts rolling, all of a sudden it changes yeah. people. Well, so, I'm just, yeah, changes. I'm just saying the arena he's in is different for me. I had a lot of, like, I wasn't as welcomed. That's my point. And I brought my mm -hmm. own personality, but I wasn't mm -hmm. as welcomed as he is. They're like mm -hmm. welcoming him in, but it's interesting that he might still be a little nervous.
Yeah, yeah. And then and that's what I'm saying. He's gonna work his way through it. Again, this is his first time working a slam. He's done some stuff yeah. on tennis channel, little spot stuff here and there. But this is his first actual like he's gonna be there for, for the two weeks. So I'm just suggesting give him a little time. It's gonna right, be a I'll little bit of a time. process. Look, As I said, I I've hope. seen it all the time. People will like that once they're uh, loose and everything, as soon as the camera comes on, yeah. they, they freak get, out they during freak. headlights. Yeah. yeah. Well, I look, I'd <laughs> rather see him playing on the tennis court right now because mm-hmm. he has how many years does he have to make a mark? So let's get him healthy out on the court and then do commentary after, but he might be having too much fun doing what he's doing right now. The off court -court is is huge on it and big NBA fan, but I totally agree with you, DJ. I mean, I I know I've, I've started to, uh, to, uh, to put on a TV show together and like I'm Mm -hmm. in front of the camera now. So it's like, I totally agree because the first two scenes I'm like, Okay, what what am I doing? What am I saying? I, I was I froze a little bit, and then I started loose, and I started to be me again. So, but I totally agree that he needs to be himself, though. He's a super nice guy. So yeah. bring bring that out on TV. Be nice, and then suddenly give us a little insight about when you were on tour, because he can always say, "I remember when I played him at that tournament, and we had a great battle." And then, yeah, his backhand worked better that way. But then he improved it, and today he's doing this. That would be nice to have that insight as well, because. You know, he's so great at tennis. So I'm just saying, but you're totally right. You need time to. Well, and Alexandra, also, too, I mean, you can definitely appreciate this fact. It's one thing when you are a one man or one woman show and you're just at a press conference and you're able to give whatever answer without having to worry about someone else chiming in, doing it within the confines of these few seconds, mm-hmm. making sure that another person is is being involved in, in the commentary and whatnot. So he's having to worry about different things than he's had to before with his own personality. If this is the Nick Curio show and he's out there by himself, you would see and hear something totally different. But because yeah. of the, the, the newness of the situation, he's still working his way through and figuring it out, but he's gonna yep. be fine. All right, well, I still say, Nick, bring your personality. You're, he's dropping that good trouble podcast video so if mm-hmm. we're gonna see his real personality so then the next grand flamey does he better bring that personality <laughs> and then i'll be a, then i'll be alex excited is, alex is coming into the net and nick has to come with the pass yeah it's gonna be a while before we get the only fans nick on as part of the uh <laughs> broadcast but give him a little but, time but that's why they're bringing him on that's my point they're <laughs> bringing him on because they want another audience and oh, they yeah. want mm-hmm. they want the interest so mm-hmm. Nick, curious. I'm telling you right now, bring bring it. Bring I'm yourself. telling you, own it and bring it. All right, mm-hmm. moving on from that, cool. the teenager Andreva talking mm-hmm. about bringing it. Mm-hmm. Okay, she right. took out on Jabur, right? And I loved how she her after interview she was like, "Well, on Jabur is a great player. She's been to multiple Grand, well, maybe two Grand Slam finals, mm-hmm. three, three Grand, three. yeah, three, and three. so multiple." And I wasn't expecting much. I was just hoping to get seven or eight games, but then I won 0 and 2. <laughs> How great is that, though, for a 16 year old to have that? Obviously, she's really learned because last year we've seen her up and down and her temper get in the way. Wimbledon, she threw a racket and against Madison Keys and then said she didn't. And it's been tough for her. She's lost some tough matches. She was 15. Now she's a whole 16 years old and she's figured out how to approach it. Don't go out or thinking you can win, maybe think you can win, but don't say it. And then look what happens. You win 0 and 2. And then she gets down 5 1 in that third set against Paris. 
the nice one-handed backhand yeah. French player. That reminds Beautiful. me a little bit. Amelie Maresma, I'm sure she's helped her with that one hand. Sure. Um, similarities there. Look, she Look. never looked like she could lose that match. She mm. looked like she believed she could win. She just needed to figure out how to do it. So thoughts, guys? Well, I just want to say that that, that backhand also looked a little bit uh, Gasquet-esque as well. And uh, a beautiful, beautiful to watch. It was it was a really fat, fabulous match. And I, the one thing, I'm just going to put this out there just in general terms. I so miss the one-handed backhand being more prevalent in the game. I love the variety. I love the the opportunity to watch the, a, a difference in style. So I, I really did enjoy watching that match yesterday. But I, I you cannot say enough about this young girl. I mean, just the, the wherewithal to be able to, to battle back, watching her be able to, to change her strategy a bit. She really did hammer that backhand in the in, in the final set. And as well as Barry uh, hits it, uh, she really did a masterful job. And mentally, I mean, how impressive is that at 16 years old? I mean, I'm, makes me just have to sit here and say, man, what a slacker am I? <laughs> well, it reminded me of a lot of Martina Hingis, even though at 16, Hingis was winning Grand Slams. But wow. that backhand, how she held it, and then redirected it. And then a couple times she got, there's one shot. She ran up and did this short approach shot, spin backhand, heavy spin uh, down the line winner. And just her handwork with her backhand was brilliant, I found. And she she plays the strategy so well because she's not a big player. So she really does have Hingis-esque techniques through her game. Yeah. It's, it's unreal. And Andreva has, you know, I've got some insight on her because she's training in the uh, south of France uh, to uh, mm. Javelin-Nars Academy. And mm. uh, my, one of my coaches here is from France, and he knows many coaches over there. And mm -hmm. they're saying that she's working so hard. She's a hard worker. She's going to be 17 in April. Can you imagine? She's, she's, it's crazy. You know? And she was down 5-1 in that third set. She came yeah. back. She won. I mean, yeah, it was great to see. One of my students called it Jonathan. I mean, he's the, he, he listens to our podcast every time we get someone out. And he's our number one fan. And he's got this little girl, Anna Sophia, is in our, in our class. And he was telling me before the tournament started, don't worry about your dark horse. Mine is Andriva. You know, we were talking about, you know, uh, Osaka being the dark horse. She went down first round against Garcia. Could have been, could have been other <laughs> That's things. That's okay. But, but we wanted her. He but look, Andriva. she looks wow. good. Uh, hey, Jonathan, really good pick with Andreva. I like that you mm -hmm. called called that so hi jonathan maybe i'll meet you next time i come to quebec city <laughs> <laughs> all right so we saw andreva um oogie the men runa corda shelton out let's talk a little bit about ben shelton and manorino because i just watched that match this morning yeah uh, i think it was this morning or this after it's kind of hard time zones to manage guys with this australian open anyway i watched the whole whole match Ben was not bringing his 140s serve multiple times in a game. He was like mixing it up, which I think is a good thing. But ultimately, do you think that hurt him against Manorino? Because Manorino has such great French style patterns and strategic play with his left hand. Oh, for sure. I mean, first of all, yeah, it was a night match. And I, I, went, I went to sleep actually after the third set because – Ben just won that set, and Manarino served for that set. He was up 5-4 in you know, third, third set. So I'm like, okay, whoever wins that set, he's up two, one, two sets to one. So he has a great mm -hmm. grip for the match. So Ben wins that set. Manarino chokes a little couple of volleys here and there. I'm like, he's got the momentum. 
I fell asleep. I woke up like three hours later. I'm like, what's going on here? There's still tennis on TV, but not the same match because it was over. I rewind it. He lost. I couldn't believe it. I'm like, you had such momentum. And then, but the thing is, Manorino is, no, he strings at like 11 kilos, right? Yeah, That's it's like crazy. 24 pounds. It is. 23, yeah. 24 pounds. Can you imagine yeah. 24 pounds in your racket? So that no. means he can't take a whole full swing and hit hard. He's just taking a third of a swing, smooths it out, hits flat. He doesn't, you know, put spin on it like Jack Sock. And he absorbs the pace so well. He absorbs it. He redirects it. So you hit hard, he's going to get it back. But then you have to control the point. And a lot of times, Ben would serve okay, but not his big serve. If, when he served really big, I mean, at that loose string, it was flying out sometimes. You know, he couldn't control it because such a big serve. He tried to put, I think he played the angles too much. Uh, his father was in the, you know, he was in the, the crowd and Ben said, play on his forehand, which is totally right because, you know, Manarino's backhand two-hander, he can guide the ball wherever he wants. But the forehand is a little tricky. It's not as fluid. So he would frame sometimes, but ultimately, you know, he just ran out of solutions, period. That's it. Yeah, Lynx, what, what were your thoughts about the match? Manarino's such a crafty player. And again, because he does such a wonderful job of absorbing the pace, uh, and that's you know Ben Shelton, that's his his go-to. And I think Manorino probably would be the closest that this generation has to another crafty player, Miloslav Machir, and Ooh. that ability to to just really have taken that power, give it back, you know, very smooth. It, it's it's such a, a difference. Uh, ben probably has very little experience of playing someone quite as crafty as this. So well, it's at, second year on tour, right? So no, exactly. Right. I mean, junior players don't play that way. Junior players in college no, never. Play no, that way. no, not at all. So it's it's a it's a a total shift for what Ben has to do. So now, as you get into the match, and now wait a second, I'm you know you're feeling you're out of sorts, you know, and, and on top, you're used to playing mostly right-handed players as well. Well, you're playing now against the lefty as well. Mm. So you know you add that in, which wasn't a major uh, aspect of it, but again, Manorino well, and. Look, look. But wait, I disagree because a lefty playing a lefty, they don't like playing lefties. It's the no. That's my fact. point. Yeah, that's my point. It, right. They like whenever Kerber had to play Kvitova, or mm -hmm. they don't like playing that because it takes away their all yeah. their shot. Yeah. Right. No. So this is what I'm saying. You take yeah. you you have Manorino's game that's yeah. so different, absorbing yeah. the power, and then on top he's a lefty as well. So yeah. you're throwing Ben curveball after okay. curveball. Yeah. So now it becomes like, man, I'm just, I, I'm not feeling comfortable here. Now, yeah. once you take, you know, all of that and he doesn't have the experience yet on how to recover uh, and when you're not playing at your best, when you're not at your most comfortable and he'll learn that obviously, it, it just puts him in a position where a, a crafty experienced player like Manorino can ultimately pull the win off. Yeah. And Hey, kudos to Manorino. He's 35. Right. This is his breakthrough year oh. last year. And this year he's done really well. And it, it shows by the shift of the tour, those mm -hmm. crafty guys can sneak in right now because they're the tours changing on both sides, the women and the men's mm -hmm. this year to into next year. And the crafty older veterans can sneak in and get some wins and yeah. make runs. So, it was an interesting match. Look, we always love Ben Shelton because he brings he brings the X factor and the spark, right? Mm -hmm. And the mm -hmm. emotion. But Manorino, France is very happy tonight and tomorrow because he's through to the fourth round. Exactly. All right, guys. So I got one more. We got to talk a little bit about Coco Goff playing Alicia Parks. 
Uh, Matt, DJ Mad Links, I'm going to use your stage name here because he actually <laughs> talked about being comfortable on the camera. He actually was helping me. I'm not comfortable on Instagram. I'm comfortable talking, but then doing Instagram, it's just hard. I'm an older version of millennial. I'm not a Gen Z. I'm not addicted to my phone, but he was giving me some tips on how to film properly. Social media master. Yeah, great oh. post today on Instagram. That was good. Well, post. that that hey. is thanks to Links because he gave me okay. some tips. All oh, right, so Coco Goff plays Alicia Parks. She played. She no. got through very easily. Mm. Alicia Parks has a lot of power in her game. She's all offense, no defense. Even Coco said that she was like, "Well, I just knew I needed to get one more ball back." I mean, yeah. that was basically like, "Go play my game, get one more ball back." Yeah. So. What we're seeing on the women's side is power is very important. We've seen a lot of powerful players get through. Anna Samova, mm -hmm. Coco Goff has both, but she still is off her back foot on her forehand, so she still She likes to be defensive, right? But she's getting more power. But somebody like Alicia Parks, who has untapped potential and hasn't really been molded into – a defensive offensive player, how to play the game the right way. She has a lot to work on, but also a lot to look forward to because she is only 25. And I think it's exciting. 23. 23? That she yeah. just turned 25. Oh, okay. I read it wrong. Unless I got it wrong. I could have heard. No. I could we heard 23. You, you would know better. 23. Yeah. Well, let's look it up right now. <laughs> She looks. She looks more twenty three than twenty five. Uh, she does look twenty three. So anyway, oh, but meanwhile, I messed up on Francis Tiafo's coach the other night. I'm just going to correct myself. It's Diego Moyano, not Pereira. Mm -hmm. Exactly. So uh, Diego Moyano is his now coach, who actually coached Coco Goff. Yeah. But anyway, the coaching circle continues. Links. What do you think about the coaching single circle that goes around the tours with like? all the same coaches all the time. Well, you know, it's like many okay, industries. 20, sorry, 23. <laughs> You're right. The world feed, I have to say, I watched the world feed the other night when she won and they said uh, she was 25. Ah, uh, so, shame on them. You got to stick with ESPN. <laughs> I'm aging her. Okay, she's 23. So she uh, has a lot to look. But first, let's get back to the coaches. Yeah. Why do you think there's the same coaches get circled in all the time on the tour I, I think like many industries uh it's it's very small and intimate and ultimately you know it it's not like you can just go to the coach store and you know say uh, give me a size whatever uh, <laughs> i'll take an know, order of this yeah you're right. exactly uh you know you you're gonna have to depend on in, in many cases, people who come with a referral, you know, what was your experience with this guy? And, you know, it, it's a very tough thing. Listen, again, you know, you've done it at the highest level. So, you know, finding that fit, it, it's very, very difficult. Um, you know, it, it, you have to find a team. This is an individual sport. So it's unlike a team sport where you're being drafted and you're just provided a coach, you're provided a, a trainer, you're provided a physio. You have to find on your own and you know within your own inner circle, well, who's the coach that's going to work for you? Look at what's happened with Coco Goff since she's 
gotten together with Brad Gilbert. You know, it's an amazing shift for her. But you have to go through the the process before you're able to to get to that person. And again, like, where do you pick out these coaches from? There's but so many that you know exist that that are there. And you know, ultimately, like many sports, just because someone may have been great and done it at a top level does not mean that they can end up being a coach. Listen, Roger Federer, for me personally. I do not measure greatness by the metrics of how many slams you have. For me, Roger Federer is the greatest of all time. I don't think you'd be a great coach for a player on the tour that cannot do what Roger Federer was able to do. Because you sit there and look at a mere mortal. Well, what do you mean you can't run to the back <laughs> corner and, and, and flip yeah. the racket back and hit a winner? What, what do you mean you can't do that? So, yeah, that's, that's so again, you have I, to I like find the, the people who can actually, you know, gel with you in a certain way. I think in, in the case of Brad, for instance, Brad is, was such a cerebral player that he did not have the gifts that many of the other players of his era did. Then he has a conversation with Andre Agassi. Well, if I was able to do what you can do, mm-hmm. this is what I would do. And yeah. to be able to impart that knowledge onto a player and it to work, you know, look what it did for Andre. Look what it did for even, at, you know, Andy Roddick. Look what it did for, for now Coco. I mean, since getting with with Coco, she ran on a 500, a thousand, and a U.S. Open. And with speaking to Brad, you know, with very minimal, minimal things, but it's just knowing how to tune in and say the right things. You have to be like the whisperer for that particular player. So to get back to your to your question, why the kind of like the small circle, and why is it so sometimes incestuous? Well, when someone becomes available, well, all right, I think maybe that person might be able to do something good with you. And again, there's not this huge field. Of, of people to choose from. So it, you know, it's, it's one of the, the, the most difficult things to be able to find. And then listen, I mean, Ugi, you, you understand this, um, being a coach or being on a team, it's very rough. You give up your life in many instances for that player. Well, You're on the road. I, living. I didn't get Ugi longer because <laughs> Ugi came in. I met him at Quebec city Mm-hmm. and we worked together so organically he was a hitting partner and then i'm like this guy's really smart and my mm-hmm. mom's like you're really smart can you go on the road with us so a lot of times it happens like that you get yeah. somebody at a tournament you hit with mm-hmm. them and you say could you come on the road mm-hmm. because either or your agents the the whole circle of coaches carousel mm-hmm. the agents always have a rolodex that that happens too so if you're in with an agent as a coach you Mm-hmm. always have a job mostly. Yeah. But Oogie said yes. But then Anique, his wife, had got pregnant with Amelia, who is now graduating college this year. And he said, I can't travel with you, mm-hmm. which I was devastated because <laughs> I went from 60 in the world to 18 with uh-huh. his tutelage and how he reworked my game mm-hmm. and giving me defense and offense, which I didn't have at that age. I I hadn't really found it yet. And strategies. Mm-hmm. And he took the raw power and what I had and what you just said, sat down with me and went over stuff Mm -hmm. and we did really well. And then he's like, okay, I've got to go have my baby. (laughs) And I was like, oh, (laughs) so it's what exactly what Lynx Mm -hmm. is saying. It's very, it's first of all, it's very tough to Mm -hmm. have a coach on the road the whole time. Now it's changed a bit since I've been on the tour because it's a team now. Usually Mm -hmm. when I was on, it was a coach and a family member, or you never had a trainer and you didn't have, it wasn't like your agent, your trainer, your coach. I mean, there's so much money now. It's, 
it's like a mini football team of sports psychologists. I mean, it was basically Oogie, my mom and me. <laughs> that's who that's who was on the road. So Oogie knows sometimes you just find a player and at a tournament and then mm -hmm. it works. But as the player, what you're saying, Links, it's very difficult to put together a team and find mm -hmm. the right team. So the ones that you see on TV that keep their teams, it it's luck, it's money. And it's Definitely everybody works well together, but it, yeah. I have to say maybe money's first, luck second, and then everybody mm -hmm. gels well together. Oogie, yeah. thoughts? Well, I, I couldn't agree more with links of all, all your points. Man, I mean, I want to hire you as a coach at my academy right now. He knows tennis. <laughs> he knows mental side. He knows, you know, you observe so well, man. It's unbelievable. I totally agree. I'm humble. Thank you. I mean, seriously, it, really good observations all over the board. Um, Chemistry between a player and a coach, that's the number one thing. You need chemistry there. You need both entities to be on the same page to see, okay, we're going that way. We need to improve on this, that, and, and but your strengths are this. Let's go there. Uh, if that goes well, then you have chemistry. You can work together. And mm -hmm. I think that that's what we had right away, right then. We had chemistry on that first week. I gave you advice without even knowing it because I was just coming off tour on my career, and I found my academy, and I started teaching. And I just wanted to help her so much to win the tournament. And I'm like, okay, I'm just going to give you this, this advice. You can do whatever you want with them. You don't have to listen to me. You know, I was just only 1,000 in the yeah, world. Yeah, and it worked. And then I was like, okay, for me, to, uh, to a tennis player with, you know, tactics, tactically, I think we should do this. We should do that. You observe that girl over there. Her weakness is there. You can expo exploit that for sure. You're going to win. And then she was like, okay, let's, let's do it. And then she went all the way to quarterfinals, almost winning that tournament. But that's uh, so, that's how it works, Oogie. You gel yeah. together and you work together, and it just it becomes magical. And you're lucky as a player when you find a coach and you can keep him for multiple years. Yeah, you're right, totally guys. Right. And I, no, I ego, think no, no egos. Just only the focus on the player to help. That's yeah. the main thing. And you're totally right. Brad Gilbert is like super intelligent. I have his book behind me, just like Winning Ugly. It's so <laughs> nice because the guy knew it right away because. Like you said against about Federer, he's got so much talent. Maybe he would be a great coach. We don't know. But like to say, okay, why don't? Why didn't you make that volley? I mean, he would just hit a volley like super perfect. So, yeah. but maybe if he's like into that person's head and know, you know, he could he could be a great coach. Yeah, well, you um, never know. He showed up at Nadal's academy so, the other week, so yeah. they were walking around his academy. Maybe Roger wants to build one. That's what Ooh. he was. Maybe he was checking it out to see what what Nadal's created. Because at the Liver Cup, he would give great advice, you know, at beat, you know, and you know, people mm -hmm. in front of him. But yeah, you never know. Um, yeah. But then, I, yeah, yeah, Brad Gilbert, that's I, super nice. I just wanted to say that the way I, I, I like to sum it up is understanding frequency. And I, when I say frequency, I'm talking about more like the radio frequency. So in the old school, you know, cars where you actually had a radio, you had to turn the dial. You have to find somebody that you can get on that frequency. So that that voice has to resonate. Because the same thing could be told to you from 10, 20, 30 different other people. Yes. But that the player is not able to receive it. But when they're able to find somebody that the frequency is right there with one another, that they can they can truly hear the in information that's trying to be presented by the coach to where it clicks. Because, again, that coach is able to see something based upon their own experience and just the observation of what's happening on, what's going on. Like, for instance, watching um, a, a match uh, just the other night, it was with Alex, uh, Alexander, American player from Russia uh, versus, oh, got the, uh, the 15 seed. So in any case, um, 
Alex not Nicholson, Nicholson. Sorry, not not that not that Alex. But um, in any case, the the thing that that I noticed was in the beginning parts of the set where the uh, lower rank player was was winning, his his serve position was further back. He lost that as he started to come forward, and mm -hmm. he never regained that position. So it's that being able to hear and understand that, hey, wait a second, you're, you've made a change now in your strategy. It's not working. Let's change this back and to be able to do it. But without the, the ability to have somebody on that frequency to be able to, to notice it, first of all, and then to impart it onto the player, that's what's really necessary. And, uh, it, you know, it, it's not easy to find. Those, those that do find it uh, are, are so very lucky and get the results as, re as a yeah, result. Yeah, I agree. And a lot of times now that there's coaching in the box, the player might not want to hear the coach. So that's, yeah. an, that's a whole nother thing. They and just we, tell we, them to be see, quiet. <laughs> we see so many interactions right now. This is great stuff because you can see like Djokovic, for example, okay, get up, yell, do something. Yeah. And something like, and then Ben Shelton yesterday to his father is like, I'm trying. Yeah, or the other night, Ostapenko, Ostapenko was like kicking everybody out of her box. And then meanwhile, her physical trainer was like, oh, this is such great teamwork. We all work really hard together. Go team Ostapenko. And she's like telling everybody to leave her box in the middle of the match. And obviously the trainer wasn't understanding what was going on. That was pretty funny. All right, so I've got one more. see that. That's great stuff. Yeah, I got one more fun match. Zvera versus Alex Mickelson. You brought up the Alexander. We got to find that player you were talking about. But Alex oh, Mickelson. Kosovich. Kosovich was the okay. player. Yes. Okay. Oh. Alex yeah. Mickelson, young American, 19-year-old. Yeah. He's Southern Southern Californian. Mm. He's got a big game. He still hasn't developed in, into himself. Mm. But I'm, I'm feeling like Zvera's going to take him out. But this could be a nice stage for him to make his debut and, you know, make – uh, let let people know about his game a little bit more. What do you guys think about Alex Mickelson? Go ahead. Oh, go ahead. Oh, well, I just want to say about him that uh, real quick, I like his emotions on the court. He was like, come on, let's go, when he was winning. So at the end of the set, uh, and yeah, and back to the emotions, you have to you have to pace it correctly during a match. And that's what the high-level players do because you're right. If you spend too much emotions on every point, then like TFO a couple of years, you said, and then you're missing some emotions at the end. And that's when you lose. And then if you have no emotions like Felix more of the time, then you, you don't take care of those opportunities. So it's sort of balancing. It's always like this curve, you know, you have to be on the top of that curve. If you're mm. too emotional, you're down here. If you're not emotional enough, you're on the other side of that, of that hill. You need to be on top of that hill if you want to perform well. So, yeah, uh, but so Mikkelsen, we like Mikkelsen. He's, he's fiery at the right moment. So yeah. And he'll come out. He might, he might be a little nervous against another Alex. Zverev. <laughs> a lot more. Wait, you know He's got nothing to lose, though, and I think this is going to be interesting because uh, we're talking about two of the better backhands on the tour, and it's going to be I'm going to very interesting to see who's actually going to win, kind of like that battle of the backhands. And okay, hold, uh, hold on, Links, you're going to put Mickelson in one of the better backhands on the tour. That's in the top that's five? The, that's the word on the streets. That's really? the word on the streets right now. Okay, Everything okay. that I've heard from so from from our funders. Top five. All right, top five. Djokovic. Zero. Top five backhands. All right. Yeah. Um, wow, you're putting me really on the spot right now. Okay. Uh, -huh. uh Djokovic, obviously. Um Zverev. Zverev. I I'll put Runa in there as well. Yeah, I'm I'm, I'm not sure if I'm putting Zverev quite in the top five backhands. Um what? Have you I'd seen what he can do with his backhand? 
Yeah, yeah, but I'm, I'm, I mean, again, you're making me have to go through a mental Rolodex okay. right now, backhands. Right. I'm okay. saying, I guarantee you, I promise top 10. I'm just not sure okay. if I'm giving them top five right. at okay. the moment. Okay, so top five. Who's, oh, are we going of all time or just right now on the just ATP right tour? Now. Just right now. Who's playing right okay, now? Okay, right now. We yeah. can't go all time because Agassi will be in that group for sure. For sure. And for sure. Agassi would be in that. Edberg would be in that. Um, yeah. yeah, but uh, Edberg had a one-hander, so we're, we're going with yeah. two-handers. and? Right, but okay, you said you didn't, you didn't specify. You didn't specify. I did it. I did it. Yeah. But let's go two. Okay, two handers ah. on the ATP tour right now. As of Top right five. now, okay. All right, Djokovic. Um, you know, I do have to give the octopus definitely. Uh, okay. put, I, I got to put him in there. Yep. All right. Uh, what about what about Carlitos? His backhand, not bad, huh? Carlos definitely Alcaraz. Definitely not bad. Yeah. Car yeah he's Alcaraz, he's 10. an enigma. Yeah. Top ten. Yeah, definitely top ten. Um, Nadal, if he play, I mean Nadal's backhand is just unbelievable. I'm not sure if I put him top five at the moment. Uh, okay. I mean, at the he, moment. He, okay, that's yeah, yeah. fair. But he's he, right I, again somebody that I would give a top ten for sure. Uh, so I mean, I, I definitely got the the. I'm, I'm filling up right now the the five through ten slots. It's a it's a top five that uh yes. that's giving me a little trouble. Hold on, let me let me. You're making me pull out my phone real quick. Let me <laughs> let me let me go All through right, my. Okay, uh, Ooga, my players give me, here. Give me one while Lynx looks it up. <laughs> He's uh, got to think of some names. It's it's not easy to be put on the spot for the top five I mean, two it is and not. backhand it, right there now. Just, there are just so many solid, you know, backhand, you know, on yeah. the male side. They're, it's just really constant backhand. They're really they're really good. But yeah, I don't know. Casper Ruud has got a great backhand as well. Uh, yeah, but to me. Rune. I'm, for me, Runa, when he goes down the line, it's yeah, so Runa, you yeah. have to put Runa in there. No, I have sure. to put the cross court, but then suddenly, if you want to go down the line, that's for me, that's, oh, that's the main thing. Because they can all rally cross court, but if you want to go down the line for a yeah. way to change direction, for me, Runa is one of the best. Yeah. I can't believe it wasn't just right there at, at the real top of the list. Sinner definitely Ooh, has to be in the top okay. five. Yeah, yeah. All right, so Djokovic, Runa, Sinner. Mm -hmm. I'm putting in Zverev. For sure. Yeah, okay. for sure. I'm sorry. Right. I'm sorry, DJ, but that one. But there is this point at the U.S. Open. It was Zverev in a night match. I can't remember who he was playing, but he did this amazing backhand, like deep ball. Then he angled, then he went high heavy, then he angled, then he, and then he just went right down the line. It was like brilliant. I And mm -hmm. the play, it was just, the play was just so classic Zverev, right? Mm -hmm. That we haven't seen in a while. So I feel like, He's going to be pulling out some special two-handers. All right, so we got four. We need one more. Oh, man. All right. Come on, one more. Tough, 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 tough here. I, you know I what? Mean, My one is going to go to Ben Shelton because he's a lefty. Even though he lost, I feel oh. like the next five years of the arc, lefties um, usually don't have great two-handers, and Ben Shelton's two-hander is pretty solid. Yeah, you're right. It's just like yeah. the, te the technique sometimes look a little fun funny when he wants to. Well, because he's really lefty, rip it. Right? right? Lefty always. I mean, but you, then you got to put Nadal in, but it's not current, right? He's got to yeah. get back to the French. All right. So mm -hmm. what? What's the fifth one, guys? Oh, uh, did you count Medvedev? Oh yeah, Medvedev. Okay, there yeah. we go. All right. All right. Good. We, we did it, guys. Finally, it took we, a little while, but it. we got it together. We could even fit Herkash and Monfils in there, maybe. Oh, yeah, we could add uh, that in. All right, guys. Yeah. So we got to move on. Um, we're going to talk a little bit about tennis, the serve, and the quarterbacks because mm -hmm. 
It is a big NFL divisional playoffs weekend. We've got eight teams. We would be remiss if we didn't talk about it. Up first, Houston versus Baltimore, the Ravens versus the Texans. All right, Oogie, I know you like the Ravens. I know you like Lamar Jackson. But C.J. Stroud, somebody to think about. Rookie of the year, maybe, so coming from Ohio game. State. So strong. So strong last game. Seriously, he just wiped out the, you know, great game there. So, uh, yeah, he's on a roll. He's feeling no pressure. He's just chilling there. Uh, Ravens too strong, though. I'm sorry. It's just Ravens are just All right, you're so going with Ravens. Right Lynx, Seriously. who are you picking? I mean, this is just one hell of a playoff so far this year. I mean, I have to say, this is a wonderful time for sports. Uh, I got to say, just switching back to the Australian Open just for a moment, mm -hmm. there's been something special watching this first week. I mean, it's been like an absolute slaughter of the seeds. But the matches have just been so compelling. So many going into the fifth set. So many matches decided by a final set tiebreaker. Uh, so the level of quality has been so high. Football, we're doing the same exact thing. So, uh, you know, the, the first round of the playoffs has been very great. Uh, anytime I get to watch the Dallas Cowboys lose in the playoff round, I'm <laughs> totally happy. The so, poor uh, Cowboys. There are just so many haters out there. You damn right. You damn right. If my Giants uh, ain't going. Then you're, you're going to be Cowboys out of here too. You're you're right with Stephen A. Smith. He was letting the Cowboy coach have it. He was like, "Why are have you it. saying you're a champion? You're not a champion. You you're not a champion." So you're right Let with him on that one. Blink. Hey, were you ready for the say, uh, were you ready for the Dolphins? I mean, how did you take that that loss? No, no, I just live in Miami, bro. Like, oh, okay. look, look. <laughs> just asking, just asking. That's cool. It, it's it's all good. Hey, um, but I, I will say this: your your pick. Well, my team. All right, so I'm 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 a bit of a hybrid uh, between Florida and uh, and New York. So I'm a Giants. There, you're Giants. Yeah, I'm Giants and Bucks, and uh, so I'm happy the Bucks are, are there. But let me let me go to your pick real quick. Uh, Baltimore is special this year. I mean, uh, you you don't really have much better coaching in the league than than with John Harbaugh, oh, and man. that stability that that team has had for such a long time. Uh, Ray Lewis is is going this week, and his presence uh, is something so special that I know he's going to have his defense totally riled up. So they're going to come out on all guns blazing. <laughs> uh, it's going to be a good game, I believe. But yeah. Uh, it, Baltimore is just too much. They're, they're too yeah. tough, too strong on both sides of that ball. Well, and how special to watch uh, Jim Harbaugh, a Michigan coach, win mm -hmm. yeah. college title and have his dad there and John, yeah. his brother, and now John's yeah. playing this weekend. So yeah. that's a pretty special family in the football cool. world right now. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, all right. So we got to go in a little bit about if, if we're looking at all these quarterbacks, okay, 18s, we got Tampa Bay, Baker Mayfield. We got Green Bay, Jordan Love, Brock Purdy, 49ers, CJ Stroud, Texans, Lamar Jackson, Ravens, Patrick Mahomes, Kansas City, Josh Allen, Bills, Jared Goff, Detroit. It's so interesting because we're going to tie it back into tennis. Okay, all these guys' ages, 20s, 28, 25, 24, 22, 27, 28, 27. You look at the stars coming up. On the men's side and the women's side, we got, but I'm going to go on the men's side right now on the ATP tour. You've got Taylor Fritz, 26, Tommy Paul, 26, Zverev, 26, Sinner, 22, Rublev, 26, Medvedev, 27, Sitsipas, 25, Alcaraz, 20. I could go with some more, Ben Shelton, 20. 
And it's just it's what Link said. It's a special time in sports. And this weekend with football kind of coincides with the Australian Open all the time. I remember being with Serena in her room at uh, where where did we stay? This uh, casino in Melbourne. And um, oh, the Crown Casino. And she'd always get this suite and we'd go up to her room and watch the playoffs because it's the second it's this weekend of going into the second week of Australia. So it was always special because it was football and we got tennis and the young guys coming up in tennis and changing it. You see it right now on the football field. And the only mm-hmm. Super Bowl champion in there is Patrick Mahomes. So what mm-hmm. does Mahomes have? I mean, I know what he has. He's <laughs> extraordinary ability, but what yeah. makes him stand out from all these other guys right now? Hey, he has Taylor Swift in his corner. That's all he needs. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just well, kidding. wait. Well, oh, fun fact. <laughs> well, no, but fun fact. Newsy note here. I read it. Mm-hmm. Taylor Swift went up to Patrick Mahomes' dad the other game and was like, hi, I'm Taylor. And he was like, you know me? And she's like, yeah, I know who you are. <laughs> so how cool is that? Patrick Mahomes' dad, Taylor Swift knows them. So. All right. All right, so what stands out? I mean, we could go over the athletic ability, the ingenuity, the just the plays he runs, how he's such a captain of the team. What what do you guys well, find that's so intriguing and that X factor that Patrick Mahomes has? We spoke about it a little bit already in regards to a tennis player. I think that it's the perfect marriage of, of coach and player. And that coach having the understanding of what that player can do, giving him enough reign to be able to work his magic. Uh, and we, we've seen it, this season was not as productive in many ways as past seasons, mm-hmm. but that belief was, was never waning from, from the coach. And that, that steadiness, that calmness from the coach who never gets too riled up, never gets excited. If, if it's a loss, you still get the same guy. That, that level of stability that it, it's very ha- difficult to have at that level because, I mean, listen, every year you're going through a situation where coaches are either on the hot seat, getting fired or whatnot. But again, that stability that's there between himself and Andy Reid, even though maybe some of the other pieces, like, listen, Tariq Hill being gone is going to be a, a detrimental loss to any team. Yep. But they've still found a way to be able to bring in other pieces. Having Travis Kelsey there is another consistent. But his ability to, to do things that are just special and practice them. I mean, in, in many ways, he's the Roger Federer of the NFL. I mean, thinking about all these like side-on passes and things that that nobody else would even dare try, he's able to do and get away with. Sometimes he gets a little too risky and 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 does things that sometimes he wishes he could take back. But yeah. it's worked out a lot more than than it hasn't. Yeah. yeah, Ugi, as a coach, what do you see about Patrick Mahomes that makes you excited? Let's say if he was a tennis player. Yeah, well, <laughs> what too. what what do you find in his ability that you're just so drawn to to me there's two things really really special about him the and and now that he has gone the whole the, you know the whole way and he's won super bowl um he's got ex- that experience now that the belief that if we're down in a game no big deal we're going to make it happen all right guys let's go because it once you know when you've been there before and you've won it's a whole different thing because you know you've done it once you know you can mm-hmm. do it one twice yeah and he's done it twice times. yeah like Brady, never down. You yeah. can always come back and have a great run. Yeah, uh, it's like so, it's yeah. like a tennis player. You know, you can always win. Yeah, 
Like, and like, if you've Djokovic done it at the highest level, he knows he can come back. He's down 40-15 on his serve. No big deal. I'll just serve a couple. Right. Here and there. Yeah. What's going to be it's interesting this year, though, he's never had to play a playoff game on the road. Oh, that's something. Yeah, you're right. That's yeah. So we're going to have to see and how guys, that pans out for him this year. Great segue, because guess where they're playing on the road? The Buffalo Bills, mm. a.k.a. Pagula, Jess Pagula, she did go out. She was one of the seeds that went out, and then she pulled out a doubles with Coco Goff. So she's probably maybe going to that game if she's feeling better. But they're going to play in about 20 degrees in the snow. And this is a little fun fact, guys. Uh, Yesterday, today, and tomorrow, because they're playing Sunday, um, the Buffalo Bills, the team, was handing out 20 bucks for fans to come in to shovel all the snow off mm-hmm. the field and the stadium. And so they had this video and everybody was lined up with their shovels like true Buffalo people, oh. right? <laughs> people of Buffalo with their snow shovels shoveling out the stadium. Jeez. Well, listen, kudos to the ownership group uh, of the Buffalo Bills, because back when they do this with for Green Bay, I don't believe they were paying those fans anything. I don't think the fans they pay. Were just- so, yeah, the, the fans just came in just to yeah. do it, just on the no, strength of them loving their Green Bay yeah. Packers. So they're like, here's 20 bucks. I mean, yeah. that's fair, right? Hand out 20 oh. bucks. Maybe Jess Pagula is going to show up tomorrow or something like that. That would be fun. <laughs> it would be awesome. You're right. I mean, right. that's going to be a great game for real. I mean, yeah. when Mahomes is in cold weather, it's not that easy. I mean, last mm-hmm. week was a little different, but, you know, his ankle sometimes has trouble with it. And mm-hmm. it's cold. A lot of, your body doesn't answer well. Look at his helmet. It just broke whenever he. It's crazy, right? Yeah, it's not. Flew everywhere. That's dangerous. All right, guys. So we've got we've got football to keep an eye on, and of course, we got going into the second week, fourth rounds. This is where Mm -hmm. the business end of the tournament starts. You see a lot of stuff go down in these next couple rounds to the semis. Mm -hmm. So we'll keep an eye on that. I want to thank Lynx for coming on. Lynx, we always have a quote of the day. So I'm going to give it to you. It's in preparation of this weekend for football. I'm going to go with football because it just was such a good quote. But you can take it for tennis because we now have teams in tennis as well. Okay, here it is. In any team sport, the best teams have consistency and chemistry. All right. So this was a famous quarterback that said this, and it was in the early 70s. And I'm going to bring up the Dallas Cowboys because that's when they were America's team in the early 70s. Uh, Who do you think said it? We're talking about 70s of the Cowboys. I mean, it should have been Roger Starbuck. Boogie, who do you think said it? Uh, Exactly, for sure. It's Roger Starbuck said that. Great guess. Yep. Early (laughs) 70s, Dallas Cowboys, America's team, Roger Starbuck. And he he's he right, like right? Team, but he knows that team, you know? DJ, he you know does. And, but, you know, it's everything we were <laughs> talking about today in both sports, consistency and chemistry. Mm-hmm. And yeah. the best players, the best teams. It's the same mm-hmm. thing across the board in the sports world. If you have consistency and the right chemistry, you can succeed. So on that note, this has been Serving Aces. I'm Alexander Stevenson. Thank you, DJ Madlings, for joining us. And thank you, Ugi, my co-host. We will see you next time. Take care. Thanks, guys. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. 
And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.